Right, guys? Right, guys? Maybe not. All right, we'll see how it goes. Um, the Lord is good, and He really is. And this morning we're going to have a different message. A few weeks ago I, I spoke about uh, our failures are not fatal, they're not final. And, and I've, I've spoke, I speak a lot of messages on the favor and the direction that God has for every individual. But even in the midst of favor, even in the midst of obedience, God has requirements of you and I. Any relationship that is going on in this room this morning, there are things to be expected, things that should be happening naturally in that relationship. And I don't preach on this as much as I do God's grace, but I do want you to understand a few weeks ago I spoke, uh, I think it was last week, I spoke on will there be consequences on Wednesday night? Are there consequences? Will I get a consequence for what I do? And, and there are consequences. And regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you've been through, there are consequences to things that we do. Now I want to really express this to you, that once you have been enlightened, once you've came to Christ, once you've made a decision to follow Him, and this isn't anything to deter you from following, but there are responsibilities and there are things in our commitment back to the Lord that needs to be of the essence in our life. It's a commitment that's deeper than anything else that we have. And it's something that we want to be pleasing to Him. I, I shared a, a, on a Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, if there's anybody you don't want to hurt on this planet, who is it? Is it a child, a grandchild, a spouse, a parent, whatever? And who? why do you not want to hurt them? Because you don't want to see them hurt by based on your decisions or how you've acted or what you've said or what you've done or what you've been involved with. You don't want to hurt them. You don't want them to have the side effects of your decision. And sad to say, most of the time Americans, nowadays we do whatever we want, say whatever we want, and let the repercussions fall where they may. And we, we get a little self-centered in the decisions and, and things and how we live. So, do we have consequences from our decisions? Absolutely. And does Scripture teach about it? Yes. And it is foolish for any of us to think, well, I've given my heart to Christ and I can be whatever and His grace will always cover me. And His grace is there and it is a blank and it is always there. But it is never to be abused. It is never to be winked at. It is never to be taken for granted because His grace is something that only He can bestow it. And it isn't something that we play with with our decisions and how we live outside of the church. So it's important we understand that God does bring judgment and God does have consequences. And I don't preach a lot about judgment because I feel like most of my life that's how I was. I was the first one to give my opinion to people and the first one to give my opinion when I met people. And, and over the past several years, I began to embrace people differently than before. But nevertheless, there is judgment and there is expectation and there is a holiness that God expects from you and I and how we live, period. That's just the way it is. It's no different than a commitment level in, in, in your relationships with others. and It's something to be expected. And I'd like you to go to 1 Corinthians this morning in opening in uh, chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter six and verse twenty. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I'm going to read that again. You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
You were bought with a price. It is our responsibility to honor God with, with what goes on on the inside and what goes on on the outside. Our lives, you know, it would be easy just to say, oh yeah, I've given my heart to the Lord, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and, and don't fall in the trap of this, and you hear me uh, expound on this from time to time, don't fall into the trap that I go to church. Because let me tell you, not everybody that goes to church knows who he is. And not everybody who goes to church knows that he is the Lord of their life. They just don't. They just kind of show up for the religious experience and get the good feeling and feel better about yourself. But there is something that goes deeper in a relationship than just how you feel, how it makes you feel when you show up. I want to go back to the Old Testament uh, this morning. And I know it's under the law and I know what took place back in those times. But the scripture says, and I'm, I'm going to take this out of context, but the principles of God, they don't change. There's things about him that will never change. There's maybe, maybe his grace is a little more lenient. And, and just because, how many of you have told a lie in the past 10 years? Yeah, don't hold your hand up. But, but you have. Whether it's a little bit of half-truth or you don't just expect. You maybe you just didn't expose everything. What if you're in the New Testament church and, and Ananias and Sapphira show up and said, we sold a partial of ground, and here's the money from it. They told the truth. They just didn't tell all the truth. They were trying to imply something that wasn't really there. And God came down and he struck them dead because of their lying to the Holy Spirit. And you know, this isn't something that I want you to feel like every time you come, there's, there's somebody going to be in your face. This is not the point, but the point is this. God expects us to embrace him and his holiness. He expects us to embrace what is right and abstain from what is wrong. In the book of Leviticus, once I ever get there, I quit talking in chapter 10. We're going to read about two guys, and, and, and they were the sons of Aaron. And, and you may think, well, man, this is harsh, and this is kind of cruel. But the thing is, the reality of it is this. It was the truth. In Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them of his censer and put fire therein, and put incense therein, and they offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now let me stop here for a minute. <clears throat> we had Gabriel up here, we have Jax, we have a lot of little babies in the church. One of the most important things that have to go on in parenting is consistency. If your children get in trouble for taking something that isn't theirs today, they better get in trouble for taking it tomorrow. You can't skip days as a parent. You have to have consistency, right? And anytime there isn't consistency, you have a failure. You have a failure in discipline, and you have a failure in behavior. Stay with me. In the beginning, whenever God was instituting things with the Jews, when they come out of Egypt and he was giving the law to Moses, he had very stringent rules on how things had to operate, and they had to be that way. Things that had to operate in a correct manner so that everybody else to follow would have a basis on how to live. Now, in the beginning, we have Nadab and Abihu here. They offered strange fire, and instantly, a fire of the Lord went out and devoured them. Why? Because they were part of the Levitical priesthood. They were the ones who were in charge right after Aaron. God will not tolerate. He is graceful and he's merciful and he's willing to extend a hand. If you're willing to repent and change and turn from your ways, he's willing to embrace you always. But do not take his grace for granted. Verse 3. And Moses said unto Aaron, this is it, that the Lord spake, saying... I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, 
And before all the people will I be glorified. And Aaron held his peace, which was a good thing because God was already upset. And Moses called Mishael and Eliphan, the sons of Uzziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, Come near and carry your brethren from, from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, and Mo, as Moses had said. And Moses said unto Aaron and to Eleazar and to Ithamar, his sons, Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest you die, and lest the wrath come upon all of the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. Now stop here. What Moses just gave instruction back in this time was, if you read the book of Job and you see what happened to Job, whenever he lost his kids, he instantly rent his clothes because it was a, it was a symbolic thing of, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, I'm devastated, I don't know how to turn. And then they would shave their head and put ashes on them. And Moses gave Aaron counsel and his two brothers, don't you dare tear your clothes, don't you shave your head, and don't you cover it. Because what just happened had to happen because your sons were intoxicated and they done things which should not have been done in the temple. And you may think, wow, that's harsh. Let me tell you, there was a lot invested in this kingdom. There's a lot invested even in this place. There's a lot invested in your life and my life. And it is not something that we take lightly and that we disrespect it with just casual living. When you call yourself a believer, there should be something that is different. We've all lived around hypocrites, every one of us. We have maybe have been them, and we've seen, and there's nothing any more disgusting than someone that calls himself a believer, but they're full of hypocrisy. And your opinion of someone who's full of hypocrisy is absolutely a lack of respect. Now, I want to go back to what we just read. These two gentlemen had a lack of respect for the temple. That they would go get incense, it was not from the temple. They would go obtain fire from an outside source, and they were intoxicated when they went in there. We'll get to that in just a second. But they disrespected it. And when you and I begin to disrespect him with how we live, friend, he will begin to pull back his hand from your life. This isn't something that maybe you're excited about hearing, but it is a warning that we all have to embrace. This is not a joke on this eternity that we're dealing with. This is not just for the next six years. This is for eternity. Let's read on. So they went near and carried them. Oh, wrong place. Uh, verse uh, 7. And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and you, that you may put difference between holy and unholy. Are you with me? We put a difference between that which is holy and those things which are unholy, and things which are unclean and which are things which are clean. So let me ask you this morning, what do I do if I've fallen short? What do I do if I've made mistakes? What do I do if I've got involved in things I had no business being involved in? Do you just say, well, that's okay, God, and forgive me? Or do we come to a place and we say, Father, forgive me. I am in the wrong. I'm a representative of you. One of the things that I, I kind of hope kind of dear to in our church, and if you're doing something in here, and I've, I've made mistakes in, in the past, maybe not enough research or whatever in some people's lives, but I'll tell you this, whenever... We represent this church and you teach a class or, or you do any type of leadership here. You need to be good representation when you leave this church. 
This isn't something that you go out and do whatever you want and then come to church with that, those things which are holy. Who we are is, is not just here, but it's also there. There's nothing any more offensive than someone who's hypocritical in their walk. Right? These two guys, it cost them their lives and, and they didn't embrace the truth that should have been there. So what entered into both of these guys? Well, pride was an, it was an issue. Self-exaltation was an issue. Alcohol, intoxication, that's why God addressed Aaron. He didn't address Moses. There in verse 8, he said, Aaron, don't you dare get involved in anything that will mess you up or confuse your thinking. <clears throat> a few months ago, there was a fella, I, I had a degree, a very intelligent young man, and he had taken some kind of bath salts or something, and he was attacking people and eating their flesh, eating their faces, and just eating them. Why? Because they were allow- he was allowing something into his life that was not normal. Something that took him out of what was natural into something that was not natural. And friend, when you and I begin to get involved in things that take us from an element of what's reality into another place, we're doing things that are compromising that there's no place in the life of a believer. Period. You may have a prescription for some medication that you take. It may be pain pills. It may be benzos. It could be a variety of things. And you can justify the use of those all that you want. But there is no place for things to be abused in the life of a believer. I'm not saying there's not things that we don't take and medications we don't take. But don't take a, an opportunity to run with things that ought not to be in our life. Swift judgment comes. It doesn't always come maybe the way we would think. But it came here quickly. Let me tell you the, the nature of God. Although we brought quick judgment here in the temple, it was something that people went in disrespectfully. And I'll say this to each and every one of you here. There's probably not many of us that get real excited about TV evangelists or TV preachers. If you do, may, you know, I, I guess that's cool. It's probably not something we get real excited about. There's some I listen to and I really glean a lot and learn a lot. But there's a lot that are got other motives. And, and I don't understand God's maybe judgment at times. But I do know this too. If you go back to Genesis 3 we still continue to see the real nature of God. Genesis 3. Man, I speak from Genesis 3 and 1 quite often. But we're going to go to the latter part of Genesis 3. And we're going to start in verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. If there's one thing that you can't afford to do, it's when you've had a failure, is to hide yourself. Because when you get to the place you begin to hide yourself in your failure, it doesn't get better. It only progressively gets worse. Are, are you with me? Are you with me? A, a sad place when you begin to hide from the Lord and you don't want His uh, interference or you feel uncomfortable whenever you get into His presence. We are all accountable. There is no exceptions. God is consistent, and I mentioned that earlier about parenting. You have to be consistent from the time they're little to the time they're an adult. And um, one of the hardest things to do sometimes is be consistent because some days you feel a little more merciful, and some days you feel a little more wrathful. God isn't that way. God doesn't have high days of wrath and low days of wrath. They're just ways that he balances things. But in chapter 3, we have a scenario with Adam and Eve messing up, verse 9. And God called to Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. And, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree which I commanded thee that I should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave me, 
The woman who you gave, let's get off of that one. Let's go to verse 13. And the Lord said <clears throat> unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And God said unto the serpent, and he gave him a curse. Go to verse 15. I will put enmity between thee and woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow at thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy, and thy desire shall be to, to thy husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. And in the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread, till thou return into the ground. For out of that was ill taken, and dust thou, shalt, thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. How important is this? This is really important. Because here's the thing. There's always consequences. Sometimes there is, and you've heard me say this saying, I heard some preachers say once, we, we uh, plant bad seed, and we plant bad seed, then we pray for what? Crop failure, right? And it's what a lot of people do. But in this essence here, the Lord is saying, I'm going to bring judgment upon you. I'm going to be fair because I love you. But he's going to confront it. He's going to deal with it. His disappointment was there. But there was consequences for both. woman herself had to deal with being subjected unto man, which is rough enough in itself. The other part was with childbirth. But the last part that I think that is important when he brought the curse to Adam is that he said, you're going to have to work the ground. Every day it's going to bring forth. I want you to see why you have to work. If you go back in the earlier chapters, stay with me here. Whenever God put him in the garden, he didn't work it. He tended it. There's a big difference. There's a big difference in your life, even serving the Lord. When you have to work at it all the time because you're always trying to cover your tracks and always trying to get better, it becomes laborious and it becomes heavy and it becomes very uncomfortable. But when you begin to tend to it, it's enjoyable. Whenever my, I've got a daughter who's kind of, she kind of likes cows. It's kind of genetic, I guess. But she likes to go back and take feed to them. You may have seen some of her pictures if you have her on Instagram. But uh, she has, I have one cow. She calls it hers. It's, it's number 341. It's a cow from Kentucky. And it's a, it's a, she's, I guess, a cow now. She's had her second calf. And Alana likes to take feed back there and pour it out. And this calf will come, this calf, this cow will come right up to her. She can put her arm around it. Some of them have touched noses with her. I know it's weird. I know. But here's the thing. When I go back there, I go back and make sure they're walking right. Everything's where it needs to be on their bodies. You know, there's no problems. They got feed. Okay, they're good. Are you with me? I just go back there to take care of them. She goes back there to try to tend them. In our life and in this walk with Jesus, it's about tending. And he walked with me. And he talked with me. In the garden, he would walk with me. He would talk with me. Who told you you were naked? Who told you that... There's something about you that's different now. It's amazing how the accuser, let me stop here for a minute. I just, I've got a little revelation. How many of y'all know what a purpose of an accuser is? The purpose of an accuser, listen, take this to your grave. The purpose of an accuser is to destroy the one they accuse. That's their purpose. In this passage of Genesis, the accuser was there to try to destroy what was going on in Adam and Eve, and it almost worked consequences let's go to psalms if you will there's a whole lot more to uh, psalm uh, genesis chapter 3 but we're going to jump over to psalms chapter 101 there's something that happens a lot whenever 
you pastor a place for a long time because you have new people periodically, people grow, and the church grows or whatever, and you meet new people. And so you feel like you've got stories to tell. Now, some of you have been here for so many years. I can just bring up Red Jeep, and you go, oh. I can bring up uh, digging the holes and trapping the girls. Oh. I can bring up all this story. Oh, my goodness, again. Oh. And it isn't because I forget them. It's just they're relevant. But I'm not telling a story now. But maybe. Okay. So we tell stories, and, and we tell things, and I don't know what that was about because the Lord have to bring it back to my room. It went and out. Okay, let's just go to Psalms 101. Boy, honey, help me on that one. Psalms 101 and verse 3. Here's the thing about avoiding consequences. What a great chapter in our life, and what a great chapter to apply in the life of a believer. Verse 3 says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. And I'm going to just stop there. There's something about this passage. Let's go to and read verse 5. Who's privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will I not suffer. There's something about this. But look at verse 6. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me, that he walketh in a perfect way, and he shall serve me. If you'll take the passage, verse 3 through 5, it talks about those that are compromising in your walk. But verse 6, six says, if you will listen, I will bless you. You will find favor with me. I will bring direction in your life as long as you keep things where they're supposed to be. The book of Titus, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up if they will. <clears throat> the book of Titus. I know what my story was now, so I'm going to go back. Book of Titus in chapter 1. A lot of times over the years when you get a little older and you speak a lot or whatever, and uh, sometimes you talk too much. Has anybody ever been told to be quiet, you talk too much? A few husbands are chuckling. Uh, well, there's truth to that. And uh, so... Lately, it seems like there's a lot of times instead of me speaking 25 minutes, I'll, I'll feel like I need to speak. Okay, I don't really know. I just speak too long. So this morning, we're going to make sure we're kind of keeping things a little more compact. And I don't just talk the talk. This message this morning is not one everyone wants to get up and run around about. But it sure is one that we better take to heart. How can we expect the favor and the blessing of God in our life? When we do not try to honor him in any way. In the book of Titus in chapter 1 verse 15 says. <clears throat> 15 says. Unto the pure all things are pure. But to them that are defiled and unbelieving it is n there is nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. And you know, you may think, wow, he's being so harsh. I'm really not trying to be hard, but harsh. But a continuation of living in disobedience and a continuation of living in rebellion always leads to separation. Now, let me just give you an example of this. <clears throat> when you are in a marriage relationship... And if one person in that marriage is always abandoning, always abandoning responsibility, always pulling, instead of drawing near to the spouse, but always going the opposite way, it is inevitable. 
you're not going to stay like this. But the more there is disobedience and the more there is rebellion, the farther you begin to drift. And it doesn't create it in just one, it creates it in both. Because there's all these things that go on. It's the same way with us and God. God doesn't have rebellion, but the farther we stray, and the more we become uh, disobedient, involved in the way that we're thinking, the way we're living, the farther and farther we get. So I'm going to go to something, and I've never spoke on this, on this thought anyway. But it's in Genesis 6. You don't even have to go there. I'll just be really brief. Down, uh, down the road past us, in a place called uh, the Boogie Woods. Anybody ever heard of the Boogie Woods? I don't, know if it's a da- I don't know if there used to be a dance place down there. I don't know what it used to I don't know. But there's a place that every teenager, you mentioned Boogie Woods, I'm in the Boogie Woods. And I think Boogie Woods means I just don't want you to know where I'm at. It's really what I kept. After all the years of here now, I think Boogie Woods can be here, Cape Girardeau over in Illinois. It could be even down in Steele, Missouri somewhere. Boogie Woods It's kind of a hiding place. But there's a place down there that's a farm. It's actually Ross's family. They've got a farm. And, and um, there's a big lake behind the house. And it, because it flows, it flows from that lake. It's a, it's a freshwater filled, spring filled lake. And it goes down and rolls through some trees and stuff, and it goes into another place, and it goes across the creek and fills another pond. But a, few, a couple of years ago or last year, I guess it was, there were beavers right there, dude. And they had it all dammed up, didn't they? I mean, it was, the whole road was flooding. It was terrible. And I began to think about us and our walk. And, you, and, and friend, it's not my business to get in your business. I don't go check. I don't have Facebook. I don't want Facebook. And I'm not going to go check in on you or look at your Instagram or your, or your whatever those other things you can do with your phones. Uh, whatever. Here's the thing. A lot of things that we allow in our lives as believers start damming up the flow. There is nothing any more important in your life than the flow of the Holy Spirit through your life. It doesn't just happen once and quit. It's a continuation. And as he begins to flow and the Lord begins to flow in your life, it just, it's just a series of events. What's, what's kind of dangerous sometimes is, is the first couple months we're saved, we have all these series of events that's happening so quick because we've come so far in two months. It's amazing. And then after a couple months, things slow down a little bit. And so what happens is we begin to get concerned, think something's wrong. It's not at all. It's just you've had contaminated water so long, you didn't recognize when the dam broke that all these things are beginning to flow in your life to clean out and change the way you live. You hear me, Joe? You hear me? It's really easy to get contaminated again in our thinking because we, we don't see the flow like initially. But when they took that beaver dam out, all the water just went. It went quickly. They had to put a new culverts in. Everything had to be redone. But let me speak this to you this morning. Don't block or dam up the flow. I have to intentionally live with what I do, what I don't do, what I think, what I don't think. I will live in grace, and I want to live in His grace. But the thing about grace is I don't want to frustrate it. I don't want to make God hinder. I don't want Him to look at me with His second guess. I I don't want Him to look at me with hesitation as as He begins to bring things into my life. And the only thing that God detests and He hates is, is sinful things. A proud look, an error, someone's quick to shed innocent blood, accusations, those type of things are no place in the life of a believer. And if you don't want this, you don't want this flow to quit, then friend, we have to be focused on this flow. We have to be focused on this grace. And, and in the book of Genesis, in chapter 6, there was a guy that we've all heard about. 
And his name was Noah. Of all the people that lived on the planet, or at least in that area, where he was at, it's where the majority of the population of the world was. And of all those people that lived there, in, in, in chapter 6 and verse 8, he says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then he gives the generations of Noah that he walked with God. Who got to build the boat? Noah, not anybody else. He got to build it. Was it fun? Not necessarily. Did people make fun? Absolutely. Will people make fun of you? Yes. Will people begin to question your integrity and will you survive and will you make it? Right, Joe? They're going to say, you're not going to make it, man. It's going to last you a couple weeks. You're going to be right back to the same houses you used to be at. No, you don't have to. You just don't. And I'm sorry to use you, but you're available, you know. And, and it's the same way with this. I want to be the Noah. I want to be the one amongst everybody else that's not a Noah. I want to be him. And I want the blessings to flow. And yet yeah, it does require a little work. And it does require a lot of discipline. But I don't want to be like everybody else. And then we go to the next verse. I want you to go to this verse 11. It says, The earth was, con- was corrupt before the Lord, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Friend, there is a way that seems right to man. But the end is always heavy. It's always dark. It's always miserable. But there is a way that Noah found. It's called grace. And I believe that a lot of us, at times we wonder why God isn't working in our lives. Because we've we put a dam in it. We've dammed it up. We just have. And it's dammed up with, with, with things that it shouldn't be there. And this message this morning is, is man, about us recognizing I've got the water stopped. There's no flow in my life. Everything's stagnant. I don't, I don't feel its presence. We come into worship. I just, I just don't feel nothing. Friend, the reason you're not feeling nothing is something is missing between this Sunday and next Sunday and this Sunday and last Sunday. And the flow isn't there. And you got to have it. But little things hinder that flow. Friend, it doesn't matter your age. Man, this is eternity we're talking about. This is eternity. God does not look at sin in our life easily. You know, he just doesn't look at it and think it's not a big deal. It's huge. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning.